Last few weeks, we've been talking about love. We're digging into 1 Corinthians 13, finding out what Scripture has to say about it. And in that passage, you find out what it is and what it's not. Um, Many of us base our definition of love on experience, movies, songs, cards. We pick up notions and concepts and ideas about love, and we sort of stack them in a pile and then when we need to make a decision or we're in a relationship, we just sort of pick something and try to make it work. Um, in, the, in the Scripture, it's, it's interesting what happens, I find, as I get into the Scripture and find out what God says about things. It's, it's sort of like there, there are principles that fit together, sort of like a raft, you know, like you got the they line up, you can tie them together, and, and they, they actually help you float. That stack of ideas that we just sort of pick up along the way doesn't necessarily float. But these ideas are incredibly helpful because they're from the one who made us. He knows how it works. Our definition of love is crucial because it impacts how we give and receive it. It impacts what we uh, do in relationships and how we respond to others. So God wants us to learn the right definition so that we're, you know, able to, to love like he does and to clear up the confusion, to sort of give us the right picture of what it means to really love other people. So the first week we found out that love matters to God, first week of this series. Love matters to God. It should fuel everything we do. It should be the motivating force behind what we say and do. Second week, love celebrates people. And it doesn't envy them. Envy short-circuits love. It, it cuts it at the knees. Love is not proud, it's humble. The third week we looked at how humility allows us to choose to love others. And then last week, love is not rude. When we love others, we value them. And we don't take value away from them. That's very important in love. This week, we're going to dig into the next phrase. In 1 Corinthians 13, we've been looking at it phrase by phrase. And this is what it says. Love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. The last part of that passage, that verse. When was the last time someone did something wrong to you? Can you remember? When was the last time that you felt it? It, it landed on you. Maybe somebody lied to you. Maybe someone made a commitment they didn't keep. They promised to do something. They didn't follow through. Uh, they were rude to you. They didn't consider you. They left you out. What, whatever happened, can you pinpoint a recent scenario? If you're like me, you can remember some wrong done to you. You can remember the last time, possibly. And I immediately remember the, the real hurts. I remember how they felt. When we get wronged, depending on how deep it is, emotions usually arrive shortly after, if not immediately, connected to it. And the wrong, if we're not careful, can become kind of like a, an engine on a train that pulls some boxcars along behind it that are really emotions that we don't, we don't want to deal with. Some of these emotions are hurt. Someone said something that cut us. Disappointment. Someone let us down. They said one thing, did another thing. We had some expectations about how it was going to go. It didn't go that way. Uh, we're relying on them to come through. They didn't. Uh, when we experience hurt, 
and disappointment, many times uh, that leads to other emotions that are sort of like links on a chain. And the links on the chain, they start wrapping around us. Maybe they wrap around, you know, our arm at first. Uh, And some of these emotions are like sadness. That emotion can drain us when when you're just sad. It, 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 It drains us, depresses us. There's a normal depression that all of us experience, uh, demotivate us at times. We feel crushed, we're unable to accomplish things that we normally would that we'd be motivated to do. So sadness is one of those boxcars that's following along, one of the links on the chain um, that happen. Anger is another, and this leads to questions like, why did they do that? What were they thinking? You know, what is their deal? And so we get, it, it kicks in, uh, and anger can make way to rage. Uh, I will never let them do that again to me, and I'm going to make them pay. I am going to look for a way to make them pay. Rage. If we don't know what to do with these emotions and the thoughts that go with them, then they begin to wrap around us and tie us down like links in this chain. And actually... The longer we let them go, the bigger the links get, the stronger the chain. And this is, this is quite a bit heavier than that little dinky thing I was just holding. <laughs> a lot heavier. starts weighing us down and affecting us. They begin to wrap around us and tie us to the past like a chain. They keep us chained down. We can't enjoy life. We can't build the relationships that we want to enjoy right here and now. The longer that we let them dominate the thoughts, the stronger they get a hold on us. So this, this is crucial what we're talking about today. Love keeps no record of wrongs. None. There are three main responses to wrong that we can take. We can choose one of these. First of all, we can refuse to forgive. Just flat out refuse to forgive. When we, open up the re- when we do this, we open up the record of wrongs regularly. Actually, that, that word record... It means inventory, literally. It means to have an inventory. So somebody bothers us, they irritate us, they wrong us again and again. We, we take out the inventory and we check it off. We just keep it, we keep the list right there. The chains sort of tighten down like a boa constrictor. And they're just starting to choke us if you refuse to forgive. Another response is to pretend to forgive. You know, we may look at the record of wrongs. It may be there. Something happens. We sort of glance at it, but then we pretend it didn't happen, and we just try to put it away without really dealing with it and act like it doesn't exist. But in in actuality, if you don't deal with the record of wrongs, it's still there. It still exists. And it's going to be affecting the way you treat others, the way you relate to your family and friends. Option three is to really choose to forgive the person. And this is to put the record of wrongs away, to lose it, to burn it, to tear it up and burn it and get rid of it. And when you do, you take that inventory you may recognize the wrongs, the record that's there, but then you, you get rid of it. You, you 
will not make them pay for what they've done. That's what it means to forgive. To forgive literally means to send it away, to let it go. Practically, that means that you decide, I'm not going to make them pay any longer for what they've done to me. That's how you get rid of the record of wrongs. This is where you see the connection between love and forgiveness. A direct connect, a direct link between the two. When you forgive, you choose to do what's right and best in the situation for the other person, regardless of how you feel. And you can forgive regardless of how you feel, just like you can love regardless of how you feel. That's real love. When you love somebody, when you forgive somebody, in spite of your feelings, the chains are broken. And the burdens are lifted through the power of forgiveness. That is an important thing to learn. On the other hand, if you refuse to forgive or pretend to forgive, the memories replay when we're wronged and we become... Uh, further and further wrapped in the chains of bitterness and negative emotions. Over time, bitterness grows. It actually distorts our memory of what's happened. And often, this bitterness has blown an offense up bigger than it really was, and it hurts more than it really should. Uh, That's not always the case, but sometimes. Research has shown, it's interesting, research has shown how... Everybody's memory of an event, say we have a shared event, a group of us, we go through something, and uh, we, we've got this memory of something that happened, it was a wrong, maybe it was a hurt. Everybody remembers the hurt from their angle of advantage, that's what research shows. So I remember it one way to my advantage, you remember it another way to your advantage. You ever been to a family reunion or hanging out with your brothers and sisters, whatever it is, and you're talking about something that happened early on in life? And you can't, nobody can get the story straight because everybody remembers it from their vantage point. That's how memories are. You can't really trust memories totally. But if you're not careful, our memory that may be accurate, maybe not completely accurate, begins to affect us for the rest of our lives. So this is an important thing we're talking about because bitterness replays the memory of the wrong and resurfaces painful emotions. We don't discount the wrong. We don't pretend it didn't happen. But we need to find a way to let it go for our own good. We do because if we're not careful, we end up reliving the pain over and over and over again. Since this is the case, God commands us to take the first step toward freedom and forgive. He, he commands it. He, he, actually, he demands it. If you look in Scripture, if you're a follower of Christ, and if you're investigating what it means to be a follower of Christ, this is what he's going to expect. He's going to expect you to become a forgiving person. Look at Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the command. 
be kind, be tenderhearted, be forgiving. Those are things that flow from bitterness there. Wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Malice is a deep-seated ill will toward other people. If we're not careful, that sits on us and it starts to poison our relationships. We're told to put away bitterness because this is the major step toward freedom. We put it away by deciding to forgive. That's what we do. Forgiveness is a decision. We'll talk about how later, how to do this. It's a decision. It's something we can decide to do. You, you can make the decision to forgive right now. Right now, right here today. You, you can make that choice. However, if the hurt is deep, forgiveness often requires commitment and resolve to experience it emotionally. So there, there are two aspects. We can decide right now, but we may still have to work through emotional forgiveness. God commands us to forgive for our own good. For, for our good. In many ways, it's more beneficial. In fact, research has also shown that the one who forgives gets more out of it than the one who's forgiven. It's more beneficial for the forgiver than the forgivee. That's what, so God, who loves us deeply, demands that we become forgivers. This is what he expects. Forgiveness is worth the effort because it brings with it a major benefit. Freedom. Freedom from the chains. When I can forgive and feel no bitterness toward others, I am free to tear up the record of wrongs and let God be the judge of them. I'm, I'm not made to be the judge. You aren't made to be the judge of other people. The record of wrongs is sort of like a rap sheet that we, a list of offenses that are brought before a judge. And when we refuse to forgive, we're being the judge. We're taking God's place. God's the judge. That's his role. We don't have the hard drive to keep track of all of the wrongs that have been done and sort of compare them to our wrong and decide who's on the right side and who weighs heavy. We, we can't figure that out. We don't have that. That's not our place. When we set ourselves up as a judge, we tend to blow their wrong out of proportion and shrink ours down to a small amount. That's what Jesus said. Said, take the, take the log out of your eye before you look at the speck in the other's eye. When we take God's place as judge, our family and friends experience a critical, experience, a critical spirit from us. What they, it's just, it's ugly, it's no fun, it's not enjoyable. And it ruins relationships. It does. So when we forgive, we gain freedom from needing to be the judge of the world and everybody around us. If we develop a habit of forgiving, I am free from the past to enjoy my relationships in the here and now. As long as I'm bitter, I'm chained to the past. And I walk backward into the future. It's, it's, that's hard. That's hard to do. It's hard to walk backward into the future. But that's what happens if we hang on to the wrong. If we we keep the record of wrongs we hang on to it 
When I'm a forgiving person, people can trust me and let their guard down because they, they can know that I'm not going to jump all over them out of, the, out of the blue, out of nowhere. We can freely relate to God when we forgive because He's made it clear that He expects those He's forgiven, Jesus' followers, to be forgiving. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, this, He said, this is how you should pray. One of the phrases in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he goes on to explain, if you refuse to forgive, then the Father refuses to forgive you. It's a very, very important thing to God. It's on His heart. Forgiveness frees us from the wrong thoughts and emotions tied to bitterness. These create a distortion in our relationship, not a high-definition picture at all. So, to love in high definition, we sacrifice for the good of others the way Jesus sacrificed for us and showed us what love's all about. The first week of this series, we looked at how love is a decision. It's something you choose. We're commanded to love as followers of Christ. We're co- you can't command an emotion. You, you don't command emotions. You can control them, you can restrain them, but you don't connect, command them. God commands us to love, so obviously it's not a feeling. It's an act of the will to love someone. Forgiveness is also a choice. We, we don't think this way. We get tied up in the thoughts and emotions. The cha- they chain us down, and they weigh us down, and we think, I can never get free until the thoughts and emotions leave. That's not true. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice we make. Many people are chained to the bitterness because they're waiting for the feelings to change before they choose to forgive. That's how Satan keeps us chained up to the bitterness. But the Lord wants to set us free. The truth is, your feelings will not change until you choose to forgive, until you make the decision to forgive. It's a decision to forgive that unlocks the chains of bitterness and starts the process of freedom from bitterness and wrath and clamor and anger and slander and malice. Verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the command. Unless you understand forgiveness, it seems like God's asking you and I to do something that's impossible. Unless you understand that there are two components of forgiveness. There's a decisional component and there's an emotional component. First, there's a decisional component. I decide to forgive this person for the wrong they've done to me and I can do this when I fully realize I've been forgiven in Christ. Corrie Ten Boom uh, was a a Dutch Christian lady. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. It's very famous. I don't know if you have an opportunity to read it, but... Uh, the Ten Booms, uh, Corey, her father, and her brothers and sisters, their entire family, uh, they helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. And then uh, she wrote this book, The Hiding Place, about that. But her family was arrested because uh, an informant turned them in in 1944. After they were arrested, her father died 10 days later in prison. A sister, a brother, and a nephew were released. But um, 
Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp where Betsy died. And she, Corey Tinboom died in 1983. It's interesting. She died in Placentia. She lived in Placentia for a long time. And um, I remember in high school, I, I wish I would have paid more attention, but I went to a Christian high school. A bunch of us went to hear her speak. And I'm, I'm a jock. I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm not paying, I'm not clued into what's going on in the world. And uh, but anyway, she's a very powerful lady and a, a tremendous testimony of what it means to forgive and how to forgive. Obviously, she had a lot to let go of and a lot to work through with the trauma of being arrested, being in a concentration camp. This is what she says about forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. We can choose it. We can let it go. But we have to decide to do that. That's the first component of forgiveness. Second, there's an emotional component. I wrestle with my feelings until I can let go of the hurt in my heart. And this takes months. Sometimes this takes years. And then sometimes, maybe, I don't, I don't know, you could go to your grave with the hurt, but you keep wrestling. That's the decision you've made. That's the decisional component. You keep wrestling and you keep coming back to thinking rightly about the thing because that's where the victory is. I wrestle. We have to learn to work through the emotional component of forgiveness when the videos of the memories, the regrets, the painful memories start playing over and over in our mind. God's given us what we need to deal with those. And we'll look at how to do that in a moment. But first I want to talk about how to choose decisional forgiveness. And then we'll get to emotional. First of all, the way you choose decisional forgiveness is identify the wrong done. Don't, don't pretend it didn't happen. If you do, if you try to sweep it under the carpet, as they say, it's sort of like dynamite. It's going to explode at some point. You're sweeping dynamite under the, under the carpet. It's going to blow in the future. So identify the wrong. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Secondly, forgive them. Decide. I'm going to let this go. I am going to put away the... I'm not going to keep this inventory. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to burn the record of wrongs here. And then refuse to use it against them ever again. That's what it means. Because what do we do when we're wronged? We want payback. <laughs> That's normal. I'm going to give them a cold shoulder. I'm going to give them a, a, a little snitty word here. I'm going to cut them down with my words. I'm going to, maybe I'm just going to unload on them in rage. Whatever it is. We're going to make them pay for what they've done. But when I forgive, when I choose to forgive, I hold back. I do not pay them back for what they've done. The need to forgive is a fact of life. It's just, it's just part of life. Trust gets broken. People disappoint us. We're betrayed. We're abused. People uh, put us down with their words. They disrespect us. And the hurt goes deep. It's there. The pain magnifies, though, when we dwell on the thoughts and the emotions that go with those memories. 
Some of the memories are, are like a movie scene sort of sewn to the inside of our mind, and we can't seem to get rid of it. God can help you get rid of that. God can give you what you need to work through to emotional forgiveness. We've got to commit to that. We've got to decide to forgive and work through the process. Or we'll suffer in chains for the rest of our life. So let's look at how to work through toward emotional forgiveness. First, refuse, just flat refuse to play the memories and redirect wrong thoughts and emotions. So you, you can choose that. Don't, don't suppress the wrong thoughts and emotions. Acknowledge them and redirect them in the right direction. The way it works, and we have, I think you can see the mountains. Can you see the mountains? I don't, well, no, you can't really, can you? Hardly. They're back there, trust me. Um, I don't usually like to draw attention to the scene outside, but um, what, what happens on those mountains is rain or snow falls on the mountain and begins to pour down on the mountain and it forms rivulets. Rivulets form, they go the path of least resistance and over time they become deep chasms. They could become uh, creeks and rivers and uh, they, they sort of go the path of least resistance. Our thoughts are the same way. What tends to happen when we deal with life, when we deal with hurts and pain, they'll naturally flow. Our thoughts will naturally flow in a certain direction, and it's usually down, not in a good direction, because gravity doesn't only affect our, our physical lives, but it affects the way we think. It's just pulling us down. There's a pull down. So they're going to naturally flow in the way of least resistance. We have to choose to fix our minds on the right things. That's how you gain victory. You, you build a dam, so to speak, and you redirect the flow of your thoughts. So when the memory crops up, you choose to focus your thoughts on the right things. You, you shift your focus from the pain and the memory to the truth that God's given us. Father, I'm wrestling with this again. You might pray. God, I am wrestling with, will you help me in this moment? Will you help me with this? Thank you for all that you've done, all the ways that you've forgiven me. You've forgiven me completely in spite of myself. I'm grateful for that. You refuse the wrong thought, and then you thank and honor God and replace the thoughts with the truth. This is the dam. We build the dam this way. We stop them. We shift to gratitude to God. We shift to asking God for help. And then we replace the thoughts with the truth. I could have done the same thing. I, God, please forgive me. Uh, help me to forgive freely. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, I, I know you're going to use this pain for my good. And he will. He will use it for your good. I don't have to have what they owe me. Start, start learning to tell yourself the truth because you believe yourself. We have to tell ourselves the truth because we buy into what we say to ourselves. So we really, we really need to tell ourselves. What I try to do when my thoughts and emotions start going the wrong direction is I try to shift my mind, ask God for help, put up the shield of faith. God, in spite of all this that's been done, you will not rip me off. 
That's the shield of faith. You will not rip me off, God. I can trust you. And then I, I try to memorize short verses of Scripture that help me. Genesis 50:20 is a good one when you're working through bitterness. You and it's Joseph talking to his brothers. You intended to harm me. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So his brothers intended to harm him, but Joseph understood that God was using it for his big purpose. And God never intended for the hurt to happen, but he does have this amazing way of weaving it in and making it good if we'll allow him to use it like Corey Tinbu. Yeah, she, she used her story and the lessons learned from for, about forgiveness to help a whole bunch of people through their life. Total forgiveness is a lifelong commitment that you need to practice every day. It's the way it is. Every day till you die, you'll be practicing this. If you're prepared to make a commitment to forgive and to forgive totally, you must realize that you're going to have to renew that commitment tomorrow. And it may be even harder tomorrow than today, depending on what's going on. It could be even harder next week or next year, but you're committed to it, and over time, the pain will lessen and hopefully subside. But if you continue to wallow in the thoughts and emotions of it all, you are chained down to the past. God can give you freedom from that. The second key to experiencing emotional forgiveness is to deal with the anger before it starts. Before it does its damage. Well, not before it starts. That's, that's impossible. But before it does its damage. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Sundown should be like an alarm to remind us to deal with the anger that we're still holding on to. We need to just forgive we need to deal with anger quickly we need to talk it out if we need to talk it out we need to go to God and take it to him or talk it out with the people who have hurt us or or figure out what it's going to take to to let it go and not let it just sit because what happens when we don't deal with anger quickly it spills over into other relationships that aren't connected to the original problem and if we let days and weeks and months and years go by without dealing with our anger, we lose sight of the source of the anger. And then circumstances change, um, faces shift around. We have different people in our life, but we take the rage, we take the anger with us. And if you don't deal with anger quickly, you forget its source and you can't resolve it. So you carry it into other relationships and out of the blue, out of nowhere, it affects the relationship you're in right now. God can help you if, if you find yourself in this place. This is the opportunity that Satan wants to make, take advantage of and God can help us get free from this. So we need to forgive and forgive and then forgive again. You don't want the enemy, you don't want Satan to have an opportunity to work destruction in your life. Finally, get wise counsel if you're stuck in replay mode. If you're stuck in replaying the memories and the, the, the pain that's connected to those mem memories, um, get help. Find a mature believer who's worked through this process 
and, and who's made a lifelong commitment to forgiveness themselves and then just talk it out with them. This is a major benefit of getting connected to a church body. You, you get to know people who are serious about following Christ and who can help you figure out how to work through things like this. We, we can't make it on our own. We, we need to connect. And our groups, our life groups, are one way to connect. It's a great way to do that. We can't make it on our own. There, there is no erase button for our painful memories. No erase button. But God wants to give us the grace we need to work through it right now. And if we respond to God in the moment and we work through the hurt the right way, the painful memories actually become a launching pad for Him to get glory and honor and praise. We go back to the cross where Jesus died for us we, we thank Him and praise Him for what He's done in forgiving us. And that's where the major power is found for forgiveness. It's in what Jesus... We forgive. You notice Ephesians 4.32. Forgive as God in Christ forgave us. Not, not because somebody's worthy of forgiveness. Not because we have the ability to do that. We forgive because God has forgiven us. That's how God gives us what we need to break the chains that tie us to the past hurt. And that's how we experience the freedom in forgiving others. Ask the Lord to develop a spirit of forgiveness in you. Ask Him to... You can forgive somebody right when they hurt you. You you can actually learn to do this. You can forgive them ahead of time. You know, so many times we go through the day, we're all fired up, and like, oh, I'm just waiting for something. Just, just try me. Come on. Hurt me. Because you hurt me, I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to take you down. You can decide ahead of time to forgive, to let it go. You know, you don't owe me for what you've done. Out of love, you and I can refuse, with the help of God, to keep a record of wrongs and make others pay. If we make a commitment to forgive like that, we find the freedom God wants us to experience and our relationships have an opportunity to get really good. Would you pray with me before we continue? Father, we thank you for this truth we find in your word, for the reality that you forgive us completely and you Command us to forgive. So help us, God, wherever we're at right now, whatever's going on in our heart, help us to decide to let it go. To let the hurts, the pain, the wrong go, Father. Help us with this, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Uh, The band's up here. They're ready to lead us, but uh, I'd just like to walk you through some next steps that you may possibly take after hearing this message, they're on the back of your connection card. And so, uh, if, if you would, please look at those next steps and I'll walk through them. Here's some suggestions I have. Pray and forgive someone before God today. Just decide to do it. Let it go. That's one step you could take. Uh, second step, memorize Ephesians 4.32 just to remind you of the command to forgive. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, also, you may be ready to decide to follow Christ today. Uh, maybe you haven't yet done that for the first time. I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I will follow him as Lord. Uh, we'd, we'd love to help you with that decision, so let us know and drop that in the connection card, the card when it comes by. Drop it in the offering. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, we have Easter coming up, the 31st. You can invite your friends, and then there's other ways to respond on the connection card as well. Before the band leads us in the next song, I'd like to show you a little piece of Corey Tinboom's testimony uh, that she used to give, and uh, I think it'll be helpful for us. Let's watch this before we sing. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done, but then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5, 5, and thank you. Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. <laughs> 